I appreciate what God is doing. The, the message today is going to be a little bit different because it was in, uh, it was supposed to be from a rooftop. So keep that in mind, but I'll tie this together uh, as best as I can, okay? Everybody say this with me, memorials. Memorials. It means something designed to preserve the memory of a person or event. So today we're going to talk about memorials. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life. We just ask you to have your way. Speak to our hearts, God. Transform us, Father, into that instrument you want us to be. And I'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Joshua chapter 4, starting with verse 1. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at a place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each one of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Say it with me one more time, memorial. Guys, go ahead and bring those stones out for me, please. Memorials, something that we look at, a, a monument, something that, that we look at. Thanks. Got it? Yeah, set it down here. Just leave them. <laughs> Thank you. So, so th these memorials are something to remind us, thanks guys, something to remind us of an event. So look, when you get a memorial, when you, see, here's what you need to remember is that some memorials mean more to others than to someone else. Somebody say memorials. These stones meant something to that generation that walked across the Jordan River having seen God part those waters. Everybody say, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. So they carried it, and they carried it with a, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word pride, but with a sense of confidence, knowing that there's a God that's able to see you through whatever it is you find yourself in. And they set that up and they said, well, why, why do this? Any of you got anything at home 
that uh, your parents, some of you that are younger, do your parents have anything at home that you look at and you're trying to figure out what it is? You know what I'm talking about, Jasmine? Like, you know, I, I was preaching one weekend, or I was, I, I was out in the lobby talking about a rotary phone. Jasmine went, what's that? What? I'm thinking, man, are you kidding me? And, and, but then it, I, I realized that, look, there's a whole generation that has come up that doesn't know the trials and tests that the previous generation knew. When they talk about the greatest generation being those that served during World War II, they understood what sacrifice meant. They understood what it meant to give up something to preserve freedom for family. And if you're not careful, you lose that. And if you don't, if, if you're not, if there's not something that's bringing you back to that point, a reminder. And God told them, he said, set those stones up so that generations from now, when your children walk around and they see those 12 big rocks standing there, they're going to go, what's that? What's that about? It's going to be like the rotary phone. What, what's that? What, what's a rotary phone? Oh, let me tell you the tale of when you couldn't carry a phone in your pocket. Amen. Let me explain a time in history when you couldn't walk more than six feet away from the table, the phone was on. Oh, yeah, you could. No, 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 no. You remember? Oh, I remember when the stretchy cord came out and everybody thought we died and gone to heaven, buddy. My wife would be, our phone was in the kitchen. My wife would be in the living room. Can you hear me now? <laughs> And so it's a memorial to bring us back to a place that needs to be remembered. Everybody say it with me. It needs to be remembered. I, th there's another place in Joshua. Now, if you remember when they came in and, and they're going to possess the promised land that God had spoken to them, the half-tribe, uh, one of the half, I believe it was the half-tribe of Manasseh and Reuben and Gideon, uh, Gideon, Gad, uh, I believe it, that had stayed on, they wanted to stay on the other side of the Jordan because the land there was the type of land they needed for their livelihood. And Moses told them you can as long as you f cross over with your brothers and fight with them until they all come into their possession. So they agreed that they would do that, and they did that. Man, they fought. They, 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 their family stayed there, but the men of war went over, and they stayed with them for months and, and, you know, and, and, and possibly years fighting to maintain their land to, until they got their inheritance. And then something happened. They, they got ready to go back home, and when they got ready to go back home, they built an altar there on the other side of the Jordan. And man, when the rest of the children of Israel found out about it, they prepared to go kill their brothers because they thought that it was an altar that they were going to burn sacrifice on in direct rebellion 
against what God had said. When they get together and there's this confrontation, this is in Joshua 22, starting with verse 24. This is what they say to their brothers. The truth is, we have built this altar because we fear that in the future, your descendants will say to ours, what right do you have to worship the Lord, the God of Israel? So we decided to build the altar not for burnt offerings or sacrifices, but as a memorial. It will remind our descendants and your descendants that we too have the right to worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and peace offerings. Then your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no claim to the Lord. They got, they got nervous. They thought, man, we're on the opposite side of Jordan. And in years to come, people are going to forget. And they may tell us we've got no right. So we're going to build a memorial that is something that we can look at and remember that the same God that delivered the land for them delivered this land for us. The same God that was with our parents is with us today, and you cannot prevent me from coming to the house of God. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this. Keep in mind, I'm on the roof. We have memorials today that we take, they call them a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. How many of you have ever been to the Holy Land? Hold your hand up. Have you ever been to the Holy Land? Really? How many of you'd like to go to the Holy Land? Hold your hand up. Okay. If you're serious about it, we're going, LaDonna will put a sheet out front and we'll, we'll get together a trip to the Holy Land if you're serious about going. I've been over there three times and I'm telling you every time I go, I find something else that stands as a memorial to me, as a reminder to me that our God. Now, look, I, 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 I lived for God and believed in God before I ever went. But when you go and you stand on steps that he stood on, Amen. when all of a sudden you're sailing on the Sea of Galilee, and you're thinking about that night those 12 went out there and that storm came up. And man, in my mind, I saw Jesus come walking across that water and I was about to have a fit on that boat. I thought, man, these were seasoned sailors and they feared for their lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's not a storm you'll ever go through that God can't quiet for you when you give yourself to him, when you surrender to him. A memorial. I remember going to, we, we went on an excavation. and Well, we went to an excavation. They were unearthing David's palace, and it was a brand new dig. This, this was just a few years ago. And, and, and because there was a small group of us, they took us around to where the big groups could not go. And we got in there, and I, I, you got it. Run and get it. Run, girl! <laughs> so she, she'd be back in a minute. <laughs> so we, we, we're back there, and when we get back there, you know, we're looking at this, and man, I mean, it, this is exciting for me because they had identified a place that they had called the Pool of Siloam before, and they found out that they were wrong. 
They started unearthing David's palace, and in the process of that, they, they discovered where the pool actually was, and they said, look, this is the dimensions of it. If you go there today, when we went there, it hadn't been unearthed yet. It was just in the process of it. Today, it's unearthed, and you can see it. So we're back there, and as we're back there, some of these guys that are digging come over to where we're at, and when they come over to where we're at, they walk up to my wife, and they hand her the hand. Oh, here it comes. Here she comes. Everybody's saying, thank you, Debbie. <laughs> and, and what they did is they handed her the handle out of a cup that would have been from King David's time. They started handing her, baby, I need some help in here, man. Here, I'll just, she, pass it around. This is show and tell. No, I'm kidding. Don't pass it around. So they, they, they gave her the handle out of a cup. They actually gave her a larger one, but we gave that to the people that paid for us to go over there. So they, th this, was, th this was handed to her, and our guide looked at him and said, you cannot do that. Amen. Why? Because that's a memorial. You can't just... Oh, my gosh, man. We'll put this out. Money. Uh, there's money and rings and all kinds of things that they found. Here, take that now, please. Thank you. That was worth the run. So they, they hand all this stuff to her, and they tell her that, that our guide told the man, you cannot give that to her. And he said, yes, I can. And he gave it to her, and she gave it to me to put in my suitcase and get out of the country with. When the scripture says, when you find a wife, you found a good thing, she gonna make you do things you'd never do before. <laughs> yeah, she said, drink apple cider vinegar. I've been doing that for years. I told her, I said, if I get to heaven and find this out, this stuff is not good for me, you and I are going to have a talk. <laughs> so it's, it's the memorial. These, these are mile markers, if you will, places that mean something, that, that register with us, that every time we see it, it causes us to remember. That's why people wear crosses around their neck. It's a reminder of a price that was paid. I remember being there. I remember standing in the garden tomb and looking across at Golgotha. And as I looked, I started looking at the geography of it, and something started coming to my mind. You know, the Temple Mount, where the Temple Mount is at, they believe that that's where Abraham actually offered, was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac. And I'm looking, and as I'm looking at this, I, I turned to our guide and I said, hey, I said, is that, I pointed over to Golgotha, I said, is that part of Mount Moriah? And he looked at me and he said, yes. As a matter of fact, it's the corner of it. <laughs> Oh, you don't get that. <laughs> he said that the stone 
that the builders rejected had become the chief cornerstone. And man, I like to had a fit. I started looking at that and it, it was a memorial to me. It, it meant something and all of that started. And I ran to the tomb because I wanted to see him. Wasn't nobody there. It's a memorial. The tomb is empty. But he's alive. He is alive. Somebody say memorials. On the first Sunday of each month, except this Sunday, <laughs> we take communion. We do that as a memorial so we don't forget. Richard will read from you from Luke 22 and 19, and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget what I've done for you. It's amazing to me how ungrateful people can become. The story about the politician that was trying to give a stump speech and a farmer was out there heckling him. And I mean, man, just giving him down the road. And finally, the, the politician stopped and he said, George, he said, why? What? That's no reflection on you, George. But he said, he said, George, he said, what is your problem? He said, man, he said, didn't I get that property for you when you needed that? Didn't I make sure you were able to get that property? Didn't I help you when your son got in trouble? He said, what, what is your problem? And he reared back and he tuck his thumbs in his overalls and he said, yeah, but you ain't done nothing for me lately. Wow. Sad thing is sometimes we treat God that way. If he never did another thing for us, what he did at Calvary's cross is a testament to an unfailing and undying love. And that in and of itself ought to be enough to bring us to him every day and raise our hands in thanksgiving and praise him for what he's done. Everybody say it with me, memorials. Our nation has set aside days as memorials. Everybody say memorials. And so we have a memorial on June 14th, a memorial called Flag Day. See, here's the thing is, for, for some people, this flag means nothing. I've watched folks burn it on the news, and I got to tell you, when I see that, Amen. I'm not going to lie to you, it triggers something in me. And I'm thinking, you see, I don't see just a flag. I see all the lives that fought and died so we could keep waving this flag. When people won't stand for the national anthem, I think about the people were there that day dying uh, and kept that flag up and wouldn't let it fall down. Uh, and Francis Scott Key uh, looking through the night uh, with bombs bursting in air, uh, and he said it gave proof through the night that our flag uh, was still there. If it doesn't mean anything, 
Well, I'm not, I gotta be careful. Okay, I'm about to get triggered. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then why don't you leave? Why don't, why don't you go live in Russia where they'll arrest you? When I, I did mission work in Russia for years, and I could be in a street. I was in a street, man, where there were thousands. When I say thousands, I'm talking about thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And you could have heard a pin drop. Nobody smiled. Nobody laughed. And I asked the interpreter, I said, why, why is no one smiling here? Why is no one laughing? And she looked at me. This was right after Perestroika. And she looked at me and she said, during communism, if you were seen laughing in the street, the KGB would show up at your house that night and want to know what you were laughing about. If they took U.S. dollars under communism, they were thrown in prison. Why? Because they were told that their way of life was the best way of life in the world. They used to show people on streets here sleeping on park benches, and they said, this is the way of life in America. This is how all Americans live. And if they took money, they were arrested. Because if somebody helped interpret for me when I'm trying to make a transaction and I tipped them a $20 bill, that didn't play in with their the with their. The their psychology over there because a $20 bill for them was a month's wages. And so it was left with them asking the question, if life is so horrible there, how come he's so blessed? We have memorials that are attempting to remind us of how blessed we are. Flag Day. We have, we have the 4th of July, and I would venture to say that if you ask out on the streets, you might get some people saying, oh, yeah, I know what the 4th of July is. We celebrate hot dogs that day. <laughs> the 4th of July, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, that's, that's firework day. Yeah, man, that's, why are we doing it? It's a memorial. It's so we don't forget the men and women that fought and died to this, for this nation to come into existence. It is a memorial. We celebrate. We've even got a day in America called Memorial Day. A day to remember those that made sure that flag could keep waving. A day to remember that when they were outnumbered and outgunned, they were not out God. <laughs> I thought I, I thought about this. I thought about these memorials and these markers, and they're there. The, those days mark our liberty and freedom, but in our nation's capital, we have memorials reminding us of who gave us this freedom. Do you know that in Washington, D.C., at the main terminal in Union Station, you will find the words of St. John that says, well, they're actually the words of Jesus, but they, John's the one that wrote them, and it says, the truth shall make you free. That's in the terminal in Washington, D.C. Did you know at Jefferson's memorial, 
that the words he spoke acknowledging our dependence on God are engraved there. And these are Jefferson's words. God who gave us life gave us liberty. These are Jefferson's words. Can the liberties of a nation be secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are a gift of God? Those are Jefferson's words. His words, indeed I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his injustice cannot sleep forever. Those, my friends, are memorial. And then you're going to take Jefferson's words that he wrote to a church and try and twist it and tell me that we have a separation of church and state and that, no, 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 it's God that caused us to have this nation. It's God that caused us to be able to worship freely. And we have forgotten. These things are not engraved in our churches. They're engraved in our nation's capital. We just don't seem to look anymore. At the Supreme Court, we find Moses holding the Ten Commandments. And we won't allow them in our classrooms. There's a statue in the Library of Congress of the Apostle Paul. There are scriptures carved on memorial blocks in the walls of the Washington Monument. The words praise be to God are engraved on its capstone that overlooks Washington, D.C. Praise be to God. And God help the president that gets up and says that this nation is not a Christian nation. It is engraved all over that city. And God we trust is in our money. But here's the thing is what's happened is you can, you ever walk by something and completely ignore it? Tim Reagan called me out this morning and he said, man, he said, where are you at, Tim? I saw you a minute ago. Wave your hand at me. Are you still in? Yeah, there you are. Okay. He called me out this morning. He said, man, you don't like me anymore? I said, what are you talking about? Don't ever say something to me. It'll be in a message. He said, <laughs> he said you know, you don't, you don't like me anymore? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you completely ignored me. I said, ignored you when? He said, at the men's breakfast, he said, I was the one that made the suggestion to go and do this. And I said, oh, oh, man. And I grabbed him up and started hugging him. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm wonderful. <laughs> Walked right by him and didn't see him. Those of you that have driven by me, trying to get my attention. Wave your hand if you've ever done that, if you're in, oh God. <laughs> I've had people come in here and tell me, man, I honked at you. I waved at you. He said, Paul told me, he said, I thought about sideswiping you, man. He said, you, he said, he said, I was right up beside you waving and blowing my horn. He said, you were just like you were in another world. I said, I am. My, my focus when I'm driving, gets, and a lot of times, even I don't have to be driving. Sometimes you can, my wife will tell you, you know, if, if I'm watching Rifleman, 
I'm getting inspired. How many of you have ever seen Rifleman? I'm telling you what, I'm seriously thinking about doing a teaching series on that. I had, no, I, I, I was taken back. I don't remember, I mean, I remember it, but I, I didn't remember any of the content of it. And I went back to one of those old channels and I, I started watching that and I never seen so many, I mean, this, this program has God coming up in it, has scripture coming up in it, has the, the, the morals coming up in it in almost every episode. But we don't, we don't remember those things anymore. Those used to be mile markers for us, where we were as a nation. But now our source of entertainment ridicules God instead of exalts him. Everybody say Memorials. At the Great Emancipator's memorial, Lincoln sat surrounded by Scripture and his own acknowledgments of our need for God. Our nation's forgotten him. We've strayed so far that when we were faced with a pandemic, our leaders declared churches were not essential, but liquor stores were. We've come so far, and I'm up on the roof, remember? Use your imagination. I'm preaching this from the roof. We come into this parking lot every year as a memorial. That's why we do a parking lot revival. You say, Pastor, why bother with it? Man, so much trouble. I mean, look at what happened today. We had to rush. It's because I don't want us to forget I don't want us to forget that when they said close the doors of the church, we brought the church outdoors. I don't want us to forget that when they said you can't meet in person, we met in cars. I don't want them to forget that when we showed them that we showed them that the church is not about our building, but it's about our God. And you, ladies and gentlemen, showed them that our God is essential. That our God is essential. You showed them by filling up that parking lot week after week after week. Coming from down the street or from downtown. We came from, from other churches in other states. I was, out, I was out just a few months ago, and somebody came up to me and said, you, you pastor Christ Community, don't you? I said, yeah. I said, how are you doing? And I introduced myself, and they said, oh, man. I said, I want to tell you, man, I, I just appreciate your church so much. He said, when we were shut down, our church was shut down. He said, we came to your parking lot service every Sunday. Every Sunday. When, when, when God is essential to you, it's amazing because it gets catchy. When God becomes essential to you, you begin to make him essential for everyone around you. Because it just rubs off. You showed them that God cannot and will not be shut down. And every year since that time, we've gathered in that parking lot and on top of the roof as a memorial. So we remember that no matter what you're going through, God will see you through. 
today we need to let our lives be a memorial, a living, breathing memorial that testifies to the power and goodness of God. He said, well, preacher, have you got any scripture for that? I'm so glad you asked. In Romans 12 and 1, this is in the message. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, and going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best in you, develops a well-formed maturity in you. Somebody say, that's who I want to be. So we need to live our lives as a memorial before God and the world so that it will be said that the world will say about us as they said about Paul and Silas, these are those that have turned the world upside down. Now, if you're tired of the world turning your life upside down and you're ready for God to use your life to turn the world upside down, I want you to stand with me right now. <laughs> Memorial. Every year, ladies, you have a memorial in your life called a birthday. And you do your best to forget it. But you have someone that loves you so much that they won't let you forget it. So they celebrate you on that day. And guys, if you don't, you're in a bunch of trouble right now. They celebrate you on that day. We just got done celebrating Duchess, our, our grandson, his first birthday. We watched with anticipation as Dutch reached for his birthday cake to experience his first rush of sugar. We watched anxiously as Rachel gave him a spoon of ice cream and he ate it and he went, and then after he did that, he went, <laughs> and it just started. We, what are you getting at? Don't we do that with our children, with God? That we wait anxiously to see them experience their first encounter with God that's real to them? That I, I remember traveling as an evangelist, but I remember the night that God apprehended my children in the revival. I remember all of a sudden them worshiping and, and, and being out in the altar and laying before God. And, and that meant something to me. Why, 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 why were you so concerned about that? Because that is who I am. 
Somebody told me one time, they said, you know, you cast a big shadow. Your shoes are hard to follow. And I looked at him, I said, I'm not trying to cast a shadow. And these aren't about my shoes. This is all about my God and what he's done for me. And I, I'm not, do you understand? This isn't about me. This is all about him. But if we're not careful, we do the same thing we've done as a nation and we start looking at people and we forget where we came from. Those milestones in our life, those markers. Can I ask you a question? Do you remember where you were when you first got saved? Do you remember what it felt like? Do you remember what that was? I mean, I wasn't raised in church, man. Do you remember what that was like? I get, man, I, I remember where I was at. I remember. I, they looked out over that congregation, and they looked at me, and they said, Rick, what's it feel like? I looked at this guy's truth. I said, man, I feel like Tony the Tiger. I think God's just great. Everybody in that church started laughing. I wasn't meaning it funny. That was a reality to me. Don't let anyone rob you of your reality with God. We have a memorial here today that when times got rough, God showed himself real to us in an unmistakable way. So if you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I'm tired of the world turning my life upside down, and I would like God to use my life to turn the world upside down. I want you to come out from where you're at right now and come down to the front of this building very quickly, very quickly. I'm not going to hold long. I'm just waiting for you to come. You say, what's, what's your point? Why do you do this? Do you realize how easy it would be for you to go through your whole life and never have an impact on anyone else when it came to the kingdom of God? Just live and breathe and take up space? I don't want that. I get one life to try and make a difference. One life. I used to, when I was 15 years old, I was taking a mop and mopping, an old rag mop and mopping a linoleum floor in a church that had fold-up chairs and saying, Jesus, and those of you that have heard me saying know how wonderful that sounded. And I was saying, Jesus, use me. Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work I can do. And even though it's humble, help my will to crumble. For though the cost be great, I'll work for you. As a teenager, there was no way that I could look into the future and see what God would do. There were two of us in a meeting one night. Both of us was prophesied over. What the man said in my life came to pass. What he said in my friend's life didn't. Not because he, the man was a false prophet. It's because my friend forgot the memorials. He forgot about the cross. He forgot about the empty grave. He forgot that there's a God that's big enough to use you. Are you ready for him to do it? Just move to the front. I need some help up here, guys. Just come up. 
All I'm going to do is come by and lay my hand on you. The Bible said if two or three would agree touching on any one thing, that it would be done for them. So what do you think you can do for God? Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. But Paul understood, and he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So are you ready for it? You know when, what Paul meant when he said that, I can do all things through Christ? That wasn't like a, an arrogant statement. Paul was saying, I know what it's like to be without things, and I know what it's like to have abundance. He said, and I can do all things. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying, look, my living for God isn't based on whether or not everything's going right. I know what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm going to hang on to God because no matter what is going on, He is with me. If you raise your hands to heaven, they're getting ready to sing right now. Just raise your hands. We're going to move quick in this house. Just, I'm coming off the roof right now. Are you ready? Keep it in your mind. Don't forget this memorial, Father. My I, heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all. God, I pray
love you. Look at me just a second. Sometimes it seems like there's some things are just spinning. But God's getting ready to change things for you right now. Say, Lord, I'm ready. As you raise your hands, just dear little. Places, there, are, there are markers in my life that I can go to. Places that I bring to memorance that remind me how powerful God is. I can take you to the places at 19 years old. Up and down like a roller coaster. And saying, God, I'm so tired of this. I need you to show. I said, God, I know you're powerful, but I need you to show me in a personal way how powerful you are. And for the next day, I didn't know who I was. That's my experience. I'm not, they, they, don't, don't go running after my experience. God has one for you, specifically for you. He shows up in powerful ways in moments of despair. When we feel like we're at the end of our rope and we're saying, God, I don't know what to do. And in that moment when you bring that to him, he just shows up in a tangible way. So if that's what you want in your life, then I want you just to, girls, just come up here with me. And, but even you that are in your pew, if that's what you want in your life, God to show up in a tangible way, 
You say, well, Pastor, it's not all about emotion. You're absolutely right, it's not. But you do need to understand something. I can't give my heart to a God that I can't feel convicted. The Bible says that godly sorrow worketh repentance. Not my sorrow, not I'm sorry I hurt you, but godly sorrow. It's a sorrow that you one day all of a sudden you recognize, man, God, I am undone without you. I'm not worthy. And then that sorrow brings you into his presence. I never forget one time I was washing dishes and I had, I had put the, the silverware in the tray and I had taken a knife and instead of turning it down, I forgot and had it up. I was only probably eight years old or something, but I'd left the knife up and my dad reached for something across there and that knife stabbed him in the hand. And he wasn't yelling at me, and he, but man, my heart was breaking. And I, I said, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And he was telling me it was okay, but I didn't feel like it was okay because I had hurt my father. And I think about how good God's been to me, and I don't want to hurt him. I want to live my life in a way that will honor him, don't you? And just stretch your hands with me like this. Those of you that are in the audience today, if you want your life to honor him, just hold your hands up to him today and pray this simple prayer. God, here I am. Please let my life honor you. I thank you for it today in Jesus' name. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all. for coming today I'm glad I didn't get wet <laughs> not too wet anymore remember the reason we do what we do in that parking lot is a memorial so we never forget that God can never be shut down let's give him one more hand clap of praise God bless you we love you we'll see you next week <laughs>